Welcome to Creation, Myth, or Miracle. This is your host, ex-atheist Richard Walker. Greetings to all of you. On the homepage of my website, Creation, Myth, or Miracle, there are some questions that I think are rather important big-picture questions related to who are we. A couple of them are, is life just a property of organized matter? Is consciousness just brain chemistry? And that sort of sums up into the question, is man just molecules in motion? Well, the answer to all of those is yes, from an atheistic evolutionist worldview. In fact, consciousness is rather a mystery in that worldview, but it must be nothing more than chemistry. So let's go with that worldview for a moment and consider that man is just molecules in motion. Well, if that's true, let me ask you a question. What is mathematics? Mathematics must be just something that we made up. Our brains in their chemistry somehow caused us to think we're thinking of this idea of mathematics because our thoughts are nothing more than chemistry also, right? So the fundamental question becomes, why in the world does mathematics work so well in describing the physical world and its behavior? Now, I'm certainly not the first to ask this question. Physicist and mathematician Eugene Wigner received a share of the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1963 for his contributions to the theory of the atomic nucleus and the elementary particles, particularly through the discovery and application of fundamental symmetry principles. Well, he wrote an article that has a fascinating title. The title is, the unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics in the natural sciences. Consider a few statements from that article. The enormous usefulness of mathematics in the natural sciences is something bordering on the mysterious and that there is no rational explanation for. The miracle of the appropriateness of the language of mathematics for the formulation of the laws of physics is a wonderful gift which we neither understand nor deserve. And finally, it is difficult to avoid the impression that a miracle confronts us here, quite comparable in its striking nature to the miracle that the human mind can string a thousand arguments together without getting itself into contradictions, or to the two miracles of laws of nature and of the human mind's capacity to divine them. When given consideration, that truly does look like a miraculous thing. And we've mentioned many times that the Christian biblical worldview of who man is includes a few factors. One, man is said to be created in the image of God, the very creator God who created the entire universe. And this God of the Bible has revealed himself as a rational being and thus, man expects the world, the creation, to behave rationally and repeatably. Furthermore, having been made in the image of God, man expects to be able to understand the world around us. In fact, we were given what used to be called the dominion mandate, that is, the job of taking care of the creation. That job would require our ability to understand how it behaves, and that worldview gave rise to modern science, and we've well documented that on previous shows. And there's a fundamental question that arises from these considerations. Is mathematics invented, 
or is it being discovered? Now, for an atheist or naturalist, it cannot be discovered because that would imply it has an existence of its own, and yet it's not material. It's pure information. That would destroy a naturalist worldview, and so it must be invented, and hence the dilemma as to why in the world it works so well. In December 2013, Evolution News had an interesting blog on precisely this subject. We'll look at that in just a moment. From Evolution News, a blog titled, UC Berkeley Mathematician Edward Frankel on the Transcendent World of Math. Congratulations to UC Berkeley Mathematician Edward Frankel, whose book, Love and Math, The Heart of Hidden Reality, is in the top five science books for the year at Amazon. The philosophical issues raised by Dr. Frankel in his book are not only fascinating, but very relevant to subjects we touch on often here. Math, he argues, is not only beautiful and worthy of our love, it also gives access to another ultimate reality that transcends our own. He says it briefly and eloquently in an interview in The Economist. Does maths exist without human beings to observe it like gravity, or have we made it up in order to understand the physical world? I argue, as others have done before me, that mathematical concepts and ideas exist objectively, outside of the physical world and outside of the world of consciousness. We mathematicians discover them and are able to connect to this hidden reality through our consciousness. If Leo Tolstoy had not lived, we would never have known Anna Karenina. There is no reason to believe that another author would have written that same novel. However... If Pythagoras had not lived, someone else would have discovered exactly the same Pythagoras theorem. Moreover, that theorem means the same to us today as it meant to Pythagoras 2,500 years ago. So it's not subject to culture? This is the special quality of mathematics. It means the same today as it will a thousand years from now. Our perception of the physical world can be distorted. We can disagree on many different things, but mathematics is something we all agree on. And another question. The only reason the theory means the same is that it describes the reality of the physical world, so mathematics must need the physical world. Answer. Not always. Euclidean geometry deals with flat spaces, such as the three-dimensional flat space. For millennia, people thought we inhabited a flat three-dimensional world. It was only after Einstein that we realized we lived in a curved space and that light doesn't travel in a straight line, but bends around a star. Pythagoras' theorem is about geometric shapes in an idealized space, a flat Euclidean plane, which, in fact, is not found in the real world. The real world is curved. When Pythagoras discovered his theorem, there were, of course, inferences from physical reality, and a lot of mathematics is drawn from our experience in the physical world. But our imagination is limited, and a lot of mathematics is actually discovered within the narrative of a hidden mathematical world. If you look at recent discoveries, they have no a priori bearing in physical reality at all. The naive interpretation that mathematics comes from physical reality just doesn't work. The other interpretation that mathematics is a product of the human mind also has serious issues, 
because it seems clear that some of these concepts transcend any specific individual. David Klinghoffer at Evolution News comments on this, Math isn't something we imagine or make for ourselves. It's something we discover. It points to a realm of objective reality beyond ours. Our reality is also objective, but it is distorted in our perception by subjectivity. Not so with mathematics. I love the point he makes about Tolstoy versus Pythagoras. Tolstoy, had he never lived or had he died young, would never have revealed Anna Karenina. What if Pythagoras never lived? Pythagoras's theorem, just differently named, would have been revealed in any event. I always enjoy commentaries such as this because I truly like abstract mathematics. I was fascinated with it when I first encountered it back in high school and have not stopped being fascinated with it yet. As to the notion that pure mathematics doesn't necessarily have a relationship to the physical world and certainly is not derived from the physical world, consider this. I remember hearing that an abstract mathematician is one whose work is never applied to any real-world problems during his lifetime. And certain mathematical constructs like group theory that appear to be completely abstract turn out to be the perfect tool for dealing with something like quantum mechanics. And quantum mechanics is sometimes referred to as the most accurate representation of physical reality yet invented. And one final note on this in this section of our broadcast, I actually have a book titled Truth and the Transcendent, in which the author makes the case that from mathematics, one can derive the existence of a transcendent God. And my being a math is being discovered, not invented guy, his arguments were persuasive. And now I'd like to discuss briefly portions of a blog over at Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, rzim.org, written by Tom Price last October 2013. The title is Faith, Trust, and Evidence. I've been trying to avoid using the word faith recently. It just doesn't get the message across. Faith is a word that's now misused and twisted. Faith today is what you try to use when the reasons are stacked up against what you think you ought to believe. Greg Kukul sums up the popular view of faith. It's religious wishful thinking in which one squeezes out spiritual hope by intense acts of sheer will. People of faith believe the impossible. People of faith believe that which is contrary to fact. People of faith believe that which is contrary to evidence. People of faith ignore reality. It shouldn't therefore come as a great surprise to us that people raise their eyebrows when faith in Christ is mentioned. Is it strange that they seem to prefer what seems like reason over insanity? Now, don't miss the important point that Kukul was describing the popular view of faith. He was not describing what he believes it to be. Further on in Price's blog, it says, Christian faith is not belief in the absence of evidence. It is the proper response to the evidence. Kukul explains that, quote, Christian faith cares about the evidence. The facts matter. You can't have assurance for something you don't know you're going to get. You can only hope for it. That is why the resurrection of Jesus is so important. It gives assurance to the hope. 
Because of a Christian view of faith, Paul is able to say in 1 Corinthians 15 that when it comes to the resurrection, if we have only hope but no assurance, if Jesus didn't indeed rise from the dead in time, space, and history, then we are of most men to be pitied. This confidence Paul is talking about is not a confidence in a mere faith resurrection, a mythical resurrection, a storytelling resurrection. Instead, it's a belief in a real resurrection. If the real resurrection didn't happen, then we're in trouble. The Bible knows nothing of a bold, leap-in-the-dark faith, a hope-against-hope faith, a faith with no evidence. Rather, if the evidence doesn't correspond to the hope, then the faith is in vain, as even Paul has said. So, in conclusion, faith is not a kind of religious hoping that you do in spite of the facts. In fact, faith is a kind of knowing that results in doing, a knowing that is so passionately and intelligently faithful to Jesus Christ that it will not submit to fideism, scientism, nor any other secularist attempt to divert and cauterize the human soul by hijacking knowledge. And to make sure we're clear, the definition of fideism is an exclusive reliance in religious matters upon faith with consequent rejection of appeals to science or philosophy. And the point is that that is not what Christian faith is. And now I'd like to share with you for the next 9 or 10 minutes or so an episode from Creation Magazine Live, which discusses the views of our place in the universe. The title is, Earth is Too Special. Get ready for Creation Magazine Live Radio Edition. We'll explain how the latest scientific discoveries support the Bible. Yes, Christians can be scientific and believe in Genesis. Get ready for faith-encouraging information right now on Creation Magazine Live. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. This is where we look at articles from past issues of Creation Magazine, the flagship publication of Creation Ministries International. Right. What do we have? This is uh, from 2006. Volume 28, number three. Ways back. An interesting title. Earth is too special? Too special. I thought it was... Too, too special is a good thing, isn't it? Well, I think so. so. Uh, Everybody's looking for the special person in their life or that special latte that they like or something. But anyway, according to this article, some people think the Earth is too special. And uh, this is by Dr. Jonathan Sarfati. Um Let's just talk about the, the unique blue planet for a second. Earth stands unique in all planetary bodies yet discovered. It's distant from the sun, temperature, uh, range, allowing liquid water, and diverse range of organic life point to an intelligent designer who created the world as an ideal place for life. Of course, that's what we would believe as Bible-believing Christians. But, uh, of course, there's a different viewpoint uh, from some people out there saying that, well, there is no God. Yes, there Everything is. just made itself, yeah. including the universe and uh, and the Earth. That's just geological evolution over millions of years, billions of years. Um, He starts off and he says, Astronomer Thomas Clark of the University of Central Florida in Orlando recently made an astonishing statement. It's a bit depressing to think that Earth-like planets are too special. That was this gentleman's opinion. It's it's depressing to think that the Earth is too special. Hmm. Um, Why should this be depressing? Those who believe that the Bible, uh, believe the Bible should be elated. After all, the earth was created first before the sun, moon, and stars and was specially designed to accommodate millions of kinds of living things. That's what the Bible clearly says. God created the earth on day one. God created, uh, the suns, uh, the sun and, and, uh, stars on day four. 
First, one must uh, understand that evolutionary astronomers have excluded a creator by decree and instead believe that our solar system formed by itself. Astronomers agree that the planets and moons of our solar system formed in a swirling disk of dust and gas around the sun. In the inner regions, dusty particles melted and stuck together, forming hot blobs of rock that cooled and merged to make Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. And that's actually a quote from uh, an evolutionist. That is, according to evolutionists, the solar system was born in a collapsing dust, a cloud of dust and gas called a nebular, a nebula, hence the term nebular hypothesis. Uh, probably heard that term before. Most of this, uh, collapsed into the sun while the inner planets were formed from fragments that collided and fused together. So again, trying to explain everything naturalistically, um, this is the, the story. However, the more scientists have investigated this, the more that they've realized there's a problem. There was no reason for the rocky particles to melt, but it would have heated them. If anything, back then the sun would have been cooler than today. Therefore, only a small and very close planet like Mercury could conceivably have uh, become hot enough. But further from this, uh, the sun, they have admitted a problem. While asteroid-sized rocks would have aggregated in the inner solar system, they would not have melted and clumped together to form planets. The solid rocks would just zoom past each other or collide and recoil like snooker balls. Evolutionary astronomers propose that a supernova explosion within 50 light years from Earth exploded and supplied the nebula with radioactive aluminum-26, which provided heat as it decayed. But this requires a highly unlikely set of coincidences, which is why the chances are remote. However, Dr. Clark couldn't bear the thought of Earth being in a favored place in the universe, even in an evolutionary scenario, as shown in the quote at the beginning of the article. It is a great deal to do with the humanistic, atheistic belief that life on Earth, including humanity, just happened. Therefore, they would expect our Earth to be neither specially equipped nor to occupy a special location in the universe, so he prefers to, uh, to believe the above speculative idea. I hear this often, actually. We're not special. You know, we, we're humans, we're people, but really we're just evolved pond scum from billions of years ago that just, you know, this is, this yes. is just a naturalistic yes. uh, uh, viewpoint. The Earth, it's not special. We're just some, we're just some random planet in this huge galaxy, um, unbounded galaxy, if you're a, yeah, you're or a big universe. Yeah. yeah uh, universe. Yeah. yeah. You should say universe. Um, and so, yeah, there's nothing really special. We shouldn't consider nothing. ourselves special. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, you know, life evolved here by chance and given the right condition, it's not really that special here. There could be the right conditions for life on many other planets elsewhere. Right. And yet this article highlights that actually the Earth is very special. Right. The, the conditions for life, uh, are, are, are here on Earth. And a lot of times I, I even hear people when they say, Oh, you, you know, you're creationists. You think you're, you're so special. It's almost like they think we're being obnoxious. Like, well, yeah, I do believe we're in a special place in the universe on a very specially created uh, earth and that we were special creations of God. But um, they always make it sound yeah. like, oh, well, you just think you're, you're something special. Um, you know, that's obnoxious or that's, uh, you know, why, why why do you think that? It's like, well, that's what the Bible says. I don't think I'm I'm great on my own. I'm only great because of uh, of what God has done. But um, yeah, what's the what's the opposite of that? Then either we're special or we're. Not special. Right. Right. And we're just evolved animals, which is, of course, what the evolutionists are postulating. We're right. just evolved animals. Why should we? So why should you know, any living thing have more importance than anything else? Or even right. a living thing, why should yeah. it be more important than a non-living thing? If it, we're all just... You can take it back that far, too. Right. We right. all just evolved. I mean, what's the difference between a blade of grass? It reproduces. We reproduce. Yes. Yeah. 
So we've got a few more smarts or something like that. Spray some herbicide on on your grass and and kill you know hundreds of thousands of blades of grass. That's no different than genocide, right? And that, that type of a scenario that might sound far fetched to some people, but actually we've seen dictators in the last 100 years that have applied those those concepts and, to, to, to society. And we've done articles in the magazine highlighting some of those things. That's right. Uh, last part here is hidden assumptions in secular cosmology. That this denial of Earth's special place goes even further, and it underlies the Big Bang theory itself. Most people don't realize that this theory depends on a philosophical assumption called the cosmological principle, that there is no special place or direction in the universe. That is, the universe has no center and no edge to it. However, consistent with the Bible, we can start from a different assumption, that humanity is special in God's sight, and the Earth is our home. Um, does show evidences of uniqueness, including its location. Both a centered and a centerless universe are consistent with the observation that almost all galaxies are receding from Earth. So the choice is purely philosophical on those grounds. What Dr. Sarfati is pointing out is you don't just go to the evidence and, and, and decide. It could actually be either or. Uh, either or, yeah. So philosophically, uh, if you say, well, yeah, we're at the center of the universe, that fits what the observations make. Um, but if you don't like the idea of being special... Then you can just say, well, the observations don't necessarily mean that either, so you can believe in an unbounded uh, universe. But only the idea that our galaxy is near the center of the universe fits all the evidence, making sense of the quantized redshifts that a centerless universe has great difficulties explaining. So the conclusion here is, of course, there's nothing depressing about God creating Earth, especially for life, as the Bible says. The genuine scientific evidence, as opposed to unscientific assumptions, is just another confirmation that nothing in real science contradicts the Bible. On the contrary, it confirms the Bible's history over and over again. One of his references here was from New Scientist, and the, the title of the article was "Earth Was a Freak." It was a freak. <laughs> it was a freak accident. We were, you know, it's very rare. It still happened all naturally, of course. Um, Amazing. Think of the think of the, uh, the, the the philosophical, if you will, implications of that. Earth is a freak. Yeah. So this is just a just a chance happening that we're here on Earth discussing these things. Yeah. And. and uh, well, another Amazing. one of the, the quotes here was from Edwin Hubble. People probably know Hubble, the Hubble telescope, etc. Yes. Um, and he was the discoverer of the expansion of the universe. And he admitted such a condition, these redshifts, they're talking about the, the quantized redshifts, would imply that we occupy a unique position in the universe. But the unwelcome supposition of a favored location must be avoided at all costs is intolerable. Tolerable. Moreover, it represents a discrepancy with the theory because the theory postulates homogeneity. What he's saying is, wait a sec, the, the evidence appears to make us look special, but we've got to avoid that at all costs. Why? Because he was an atheist. Yeah, the universe Any, should look the same everywhere. Right. It, it, yeah. Anything that points to special points to special creation. And, of course, yeah. that's what uh, the magazine's all about. Check out that uh, article on the website and more uh, to do with this subject. Creation Magazine Live is a production of Creation Ministries International. With offices internationally and more scientists on staff than any other Christian ministry, you can find loads of faith-supporting articles on our massive website, creation.com. Check it out. The evidence for the design and special purpose for the earth are there for us to see if we're willing to do so. We can try to explain away what we observe as being just luck, even though when we examine it mathematically, the probability of things being the way they are is so vanishingly small that it's effectively zero. Or we can see that and make up this interesting philosophical idea 
that the world must be the way it is or we wouldn't be here to observe it, as if that statement explains anything. Or we can simply say there must be an infinite number of universes so that even those that have essentially zero probability would also exist, which is an argument not from observation, but from the lack of observation, as there is absolutely no physical evidence for such a multiverse. And so we're back to the very first big picture question on my homepage. Did the universe make itself from nothing, or is it evidence for a transcendent creator? And also, was the earth created for man, or just a purposeless accident? The evidence for the existence of God is truly there for anyone who objectively looks at it. See creationmythormiracle.com. <laughs>